Chapter thirty nine of Astoria or Anecdotes of an Enterprise Beyond the Rocky Mountains by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Scanty fare during the winter, a poor hunting ground, the return of the fishing season, the Uthlecken or smelt, its qualities, vast shoals of it, sturgeon, Indian modes of taking it, the salmon, different species nature of a country about the coast forests and forest trees a remarkable flowering vine animals birds reptiles climate west of the mountains mildness of the temperature soil of the coast and the interior the winter passed away tranquilly at astoria the apprehensions of hostility from the natives had subsided indeed as the season advanced the indians for the most part had disappeared from the neighborhood and abandoned the sea-coast so that for want of their aid the colonists had at times suffered considerably for want of provisions the hunters belonging to the establishment made frequent and wide excursions but with very moderate success there were some deer and a few bears to be found in the vicinity and elk in great numbers the country however was so rough and the woods so close and entangled that it was almost impossible to beat up the game the prevalent rains of winter also rendered it difficult for the hunter to keep his arms in order the quantity of game therefore brought in by the hunters was extremely scanty and it was frequently necessary to put all hands on very moderate allowance towards spring however the fishing season commenced the season of plenty on the columbia about the beginning of february a small kind of fish about six inches long called by the natives the uthlecan and resembling the smelt made its appearance at the mouth of the river it is said to be of delicious flavor and so fat as to burn like a candle for which it is often used by the natives it enters the river in immense shoals like solid columns often extending to the depth of five or more feet and is scooped up by the natives with small nets at the end of poles in this way they will soon fill a canoe or form a great heap upon the river banks these fish constitute a principal article of their food the women drying them and stringing them on cords as the athlecan is only found in the lower part of the river the arrival of it soon brought back the natives to the coast who again resorted to the factory to trade and from that time furnished plentiful supplies of fish the sturgeon makes its appearance in the river shortly after the athlecan and is taken in different ways by the natives sometimes they spear it but oftener they use the hook and line and the net occasionally they sink a cord in the river by a heavy weight with a buoy at the upper end to keep floating to this cord several hooks are attached by short lines a few feet distant from each other and baited with small fish this apparatus is often set towards night and by the next morning several sturgeon will be found hooked by it for though a large and strong fish it makes but little resistance when ensnared the salmon which are the prime fish of the columbia and as important to the piscatory tribes as are the buffaloes to the hunters of the prairies do not enter the river until towards the latter part of may 
from which time until the middle of august they abound and are taken in vast quantities with either the spear or seine and mostly in shallow water an inferior species succeeds and continues from august to december it is remarkable for having a double row of teeth half an inch long and extremely sharp from whence it has received the name of the dog-tooth salmon it is generally killed with the spear in small rivulets and smoked for winter provision we have noticed in a former chapter the mode in which the salmon are taken and cured at the falls of the columbia and put up in parcels for exportation from these different fisheries of the river tribes the establishment at astoria had to derive much of its precarious supply of provisions a year's residence at the mouth of the columbia and various expeditions in the interior had now given the astorians some idea of the country the whole coast is described as remarkably rugged and mountainous with dense forests of henlock spruce white and red cedar cottonwood white oak white and swamp ash willow and a few walnut there is likewise an undergrowth of aromatic shrubs creepers and clambering vines that render the forests almost impenetrable together with berries of various kinds such as gooseberries strawberries raspberries both red and yellow very large and finely flavored whortleberries cranberries serviceberries blackberries currants sloes and wild and choke cherries among the flowering vines is one deserving of particular notice each flower is composed of six leaves or petals about three inches in length of a beautiful crimson and inside spotted with white its leaves of a fine green are oval and disposed by threes this plant climbs upon the trees without attaching itself to them when it has reached the topmost branches it descends perpendicularly and as it continues to grow extends from tree to tree until its various stalks interlace the grove like the rigging of a ship the stems or trunks of this vine are tougher and more flexible than willow and are from fifty to one hundred fathoms in length from the fibres the indians manufacture baskets of such close texture as to hold water the principal quadrupeds that had been seen by the colonists in their various expeditions were the stag fallow deer hart black and grizzly bear antelope asata or bighorn beaver sea and river otter muskrat fox wolf and panther the latter extremely rare the only domestic animals among the natives were horses and dogs the country abounded with aquatic and land birds such as swans wild geese brant ducks of almost every description pelicans herons gulls snipes curlews eagles vultures crows ravens magpies woodpeckers pigeons partridges pheasants grouse and a great variety of singing birds there were few reptiles the only dangerous kinds were the rattlesnake and one striped with black yellow and white about four feet long among the lizard kind was one about nine or ten inches in length exclusive of the tail and three inches in circumference the tail was round and of the same length as the body the head was triangular covered with small square scales the upper part of the body was likewise covered with small scales green yellow black and blue 
each foot had five toes furnished with strong nails probably to aid it in burrowing as it usually lived underground on the plains a remarkable fact characteristic of the country west of the rocky mountains is the mildness and equability of the climate the great mountain barrier seems to divide the continent into different climates even in the same degrees of latitude the rigorous winters and sultry summers and all the capricious inequalities of temperature prevalent on the atlantic side of the mountains are but little felt on their western declivities the countries between them and the pacific are blessed with milder and steadier temperature resembling the climates of parallel latitudes in europe in the plains and valleys but little snow falls throughout the winter and usually melts while falling it rarely lies on the ground more than two days at a time except on the summits of the mountains the winters are rainy rather than cold the rains for five months from the middle of october to the middle of march are almost incessant and often accompanied by tremendous thunder and lightning the winds prevalent at this season are from the south and southeast which usually bring rain those from the north to the southwest are harbingers of fair weather and a clear sky the residue of the year from the middle of march to the middle of october an interval of seven months is serene and delightful there is scarcely any rain throughout this time yet the face of the country is kept fresh and verdant by nightly dews and occasionally by humid fogs in the mornings these are not considered prejudicial to health since both the natives and the whites sleep in the open air with perfect impunity while this equable and bland temperature prevails throughout the lower country the peaks and ridges of the vast mountains by which it is dominated are covered with perpetual snow this renders them discernible at a great distance shining at times like bright summer clouds at other times assuming the most aerial tints and always forming brilliant and striking features in the vast landscape the mild temperature prevalent throughout the country is attributed by some to the succession of winds from the pacific ocean extending from latitude twenty degrees to at least fifty degrees north these temper the heat of summer so that in the shade no one is incommoded by perspiration they also soften the rigors of winter and produce such a moderation in the climate that the inhabitants can wear the same dress throughout the year the soil in the neighborhood of the sea coast is of a brown color inclining to red and generally poor being a mixture of clay and gravel in the interior especially in the valleys of the rocky mountains the soil is generally blackish though sometimes yellow it is frequently mixed with marl and with marine substances in a state of decomposition this kind of soil extends to a considerable depth as may be perceived in the deep cuts made by ravines and by the beds of rivers the vegetation in these valleys is much more abundant than near the coast in fact it is these fertile intervals locked up between rocky sierras or scooped out from barren wastes that population must extend itself as it were in veins and ramifications if ever the regions beyond the mountains should become civilized End of chapter 39